Welcome to the Banking on Business podcast presented by Horicon Bank. Banking on Business is aimed at helping entrepreneurs grow their business with practical strategies you can start using today. We are all about engaging our local business community and connecting with other small businesses to raise each other up. Hosted by yours truly, Grace Bruins, marketing officer at Horicon Bank, turned podcaster, at least for the next 20 minutes. Welcome to the Banking on Business podcast presented by Horicon Bank. Today we are talking with Alex Wenzel, the owner of Lion's Tail Brewing Company and his story from going from home brewer to operating not one, but two taproom locations here in Wisconsin. So welcome, Alex. I am excited to have you here today. Thank you. You bet. So let's let our listeners get to know you just a little bit better with a rapid fire intro to the expert. This is our rapid fire intro to the expert. I fire off the questions and you answer as quickly as you can. Are you ready to play? Yes. All right. Where did you grow up? In Mequon. And what do you love most about what you do? Can't put my finger on it exactly, but when I'm getting up at 4.30 or 5 in the morning on occasion, it doesn't take me long to get out of bed. I'm usually pretty anxious to get at it. That's awesome. What's your favorite Lion's Tail beer? Probably our Dunkel, which is a German-style dark lager. And as it happens, we just released it last Friday. So it's now on tap, but malty and dark and easier drinking than most people would expect for a darker beer. Okay. And if you could collaborate with any brewery, which I know is something you guys do, which one would it be? Probably going to be, oh, that's a tough one. I would say, and most brewers would probably say this, but there's a brewery called Russian River Brewing in California, kind of in wine country. Oh, cool. And the brewer's well known for his IPAs. And that's a, an area of my brewing that I would love to get get even better at and talk to someone who's done a lot of experimenting and has similar background to me. Oh, very cool. I've never heard of that brewery, so now I'm going to have to go look it up. Yeah. If you could travel anywhere in the world, where would you go? Definitely Germany. And I'm German descent, and I've not been there yet, which is sad for a brewer. It's kind of like the homeland. I feel like everybody, you know, a lot of the the brewing terms are in German. And so it's very, goes hand in hand with brewing. So, and my wife really wants to go as well. So I don't think that'll be too far off. No, no, you guys better go together. That would be amazing. Yeah. Was she a pretty big part of the business when you guys started? Well, yes. I mean, she's had all the hard parts of it. She took my passion and my vision for the place. And then we started talking ideas and and what to do. She's had a full-time job as a pharmacist the whole time and has been the steady one providing, you know, Mm -hmm. the income and, and providing all a lot of great ideas and vision and sometimes giving me, you know, someone to bounce ideas off of and advice. And so she's had the difficult part of it. She doesn't get to enjoy the fun parts of the job, you know, so I I do my best to try and share that with her. Sure. But she's been a huge part of it. That's awesome. All right. Before we get into our topic, which we kind of just did, but before we go all the way into our topic of your story with Lion's Tail Brewing, I'm going to share a marketing minute. And this is coming. This is a story about Legos. So did you play with Legos as a kid, Alex? You know it. Oh, always. Right. So what I love about Lego as a brand is that it's not just for kids, right? There's a ton of adult enthusiasts out there. And one thing that the brand does is that 
they really foster that throughout the life of their customers. So they have something called Lego Life, which is a social app for kids under 13 to share and comment on each other's creations. And then they have a Lego Ideas Forum for adults to share and vote on each other's creative work. So by creating ways to connect customers, Lego has created a sense of belonging. Lego acts as a participant, not necessarily an owner of those customer groups. And then customers can connect to one another and that in turn builds loyalty for their Lego brand. So for listeners, I would challenge them to consider who your customers are and how you can build community among those customers. How can you show up and support your customer base to foster a sense of belonging, which I think Lionsdale does. So I'm excited to talk about that. Yeah, and we definitely try to. But I mean, that's uh, an excellent concept that I'm thinking right now. How can we do more of that? Because <laughs> you guys have a membership program. I mean, that's one piece of your business. But I think if anyone has visited either of your tap rooms, whether that's Nina or Wauwatosa, you can see that you guys have these spaces and these these spots to just collaborate and connect and be. And I think it's really, it's a really cool experience to be a part of. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I think kind of along those lines, both of our locations are not in your face, very, I guess, easy to find or from the outside, they might not look like a brewery. So we've always kind of been a a pretty well-kept secret among our, you know, avid customers. Mm -hmm. And I think people kind of get that sense of, you know, this is a, a secret I know about and I like to tell my friends about it and bring them here. And, and so I've always liked that, that feel to it. Now, I certainly want to get the word out and not be a secret, you know, and nine years later, uh, we're doing our best. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, there is something though about feeling like you've always been a part of that community. And I think both of your locations do that. I think you walk in and you're like, this is the place the locals go. And that's what I love about it. Uh, Cause you're right. It's not in your face. It's like, Hey, we're here. Come check us out and, and be a part of it. And I think that that's really special, especially considering you've only been in Wauwatosa for a year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Since last October. And yeah, it's great seeing the bikes at the bike rack or people walking in and, you know, because it's absolutely, like you said, it's two great communities and people supporting us from within a mile of, of our locations. That's awesome. Yeah. So how did you get started? What's your background? So I was a chemical engineer for 16 years out of school, and I was mostly in helping customers uh, in paper mills. Okay. And so that's what drew me to the, the Appleton, Fox Valley, Nina area. There's a lot of paper mills there. Mm-hmm. And being an engineer, a lot of people were homebrewing. And it's just kind of one of those hobbies where you get to use some of your science background and you tinker and you talk about what works, what doesn't, and so forth. Mm-hmm. And after hearing coworkers talk about it around the water cooler enough, it was kind of like, I, I need to try this. And my mother and father-in-law for Christmas one year bought me a kit. Oh, perfect. And that was kind of it. <laughs> it just took over my basement and pretty soon my wife and my life to some yeah. degree. So I got kicked out of the basement and it was kind of like, what are we going to do with this next? Yeah. yeah. Did your wife ever become a part of that too? I mean, as a pharmacist, she's got that sort of chemistry background too. Was she, was she as into it as you were? Yeah, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. She, I mean, she definitely saw my, my passion for it and put up with, you know, all of the dollars I spent buying different ingredients and uh-huh. trying fun things. And it kind of got to the point where, 
you know, there wasn't enough neighbors or friends that you could give beer away to. I just had to make something, learn from it, and it would go down the drain, you know, after those first couple of tastes. And, sure. And so it was pretty obvious at that point, this has to be more than just a basement uh, sure. project. What was that first tasting like? Do you remember? Oh, yeah. And I think most of the kits, the homebrew kits they give you are in like an amber ale okay. usually. And I think they do that because it's a little bit harder to screw up. And, but when you <laughs> taste it come out of the bottle and it's, it's a real beer, it's kind of like, Oh, I made this. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. it, you know, I'm not sick from drinking it and it actually doesn't taste horrible, you know? And then your mind just starts going. It's like, well, what if I did this? What if I did this? Yeah. And that's kind of my background in science. It's just, you try a bunch of things knowing you're likely going to fail quite often and learn something make it better. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever have one that was, was like, no one can see this. <laughs> this was terrible. Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. A lot of them. And even, even since we've been a professional brewery, we've had many of those. Mm -hmm. And I guess to put a positive spin on it, I think if you're not dumping one once in a while that didn't work, you're probably playing it too safe. So yeah, we've, we've definitely had a few of those. The last one to give you a feel for it was, was going to be like a root beer stout. Oh. And seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah. And it needed to be sweet and it was not, it was very accurate to root beer, but there's a reason why you've never heard of someone making a root sure. beer stout. Yeah. So that was the most <laughs> recent one, but you know, we're always trying some crazy things and yeah. sometimes they don't make it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, I think that's a, a really good lesson for any business owner is there's this sort of comfortability in being okay with failure. Not necessarily like I'm okay failing all the time because you do want to have those successes, but be okay with once in a while, I dump this down the drain because that means the next one's going to be better and better and better. Absolutely. And I guess my approach has been to fail small and sure. we've been around nine years and we're still, you know, small to medium sized brewery. So we're certainly not taking the Midwest by storm with mm -hmm. meteoric growth or anything like that. And that's because we've taken measured small increments of growth and we've been able to take on that risk and that's, that's worked. Sure. So one big step you probably had in growth is simply starting right? The tap room, actually opening that up. What was that process like for you? Yeah, that was really difficult because I don't have any background prior to then in hospitality. Oh. And you don't really think of that as a beer maker, you know, a home brewer, you, you think, oh, I, I'm making some really good stuff. My neighbors and friends are all saying, oh, you could sell this. This mm -hmm. is really good. So, and, and I had a background in manufacturing, but that's not really what the business is about. It's the hospitality industry. And it's, it's about, you know, making a great experience for customers and making them want to come back. And so that, that was probably, I'm glad I didn't know what I didn't know. And okay. once I got into it, it was just, this has to work. I'm going to be smart enough to admit that I don't know anything and hire a good people who do and learn as much as I can quickly. Sure. Yeah. So what were those initial partners like? I mean, did you work with the marketing agency? Did you work with the local economic development corporate? Like, who were those people that you relied on? So I had a business consultant who had a successful gym where you'd go to work out and mm -hmm. so forth. And he had expanded it to, I think, two or three locations in the, in the Fox Valley area. And actually, my wife's chiropractor 
got help from him starting up his practice. Okay. And strongly recommended. So I started going to see him for appointments and it was quite expensive for that advice and those meetings. But in the long run, it was probably the best, best money ever spent. So I got a lot of help there with business plan, with he would ask the tough questions, A, to find out if I was cut out for this and, and B, just because somebody has to ask those questions and you need to have answers for them. But I didn't know how to approach banks, how to, you know, look for equipment, how to find a location, anything really. And so that was immensely helpful. And I also did go to see the, our local chapter of SCORE, I believe it is, which is a, I might even be saying the wrong organization, but it's a small business. Like small business development, development small business assistance. consultancy sure. type of a thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had some nice ideas too, but certainly the consultant, very, very well mon- money spent uh, okay. to, to get us going. How did you find the location that you're in, Anina? Because it's a historic building, right? It's over, what did you say, 120 years old? Yep. And we were looking all around the Fox Valley area. Some locations were you know, new construction possibilities. And we came really close to making a, a bad mistake at knowing what I know now in 2023. But in 2015, it seemed like a great idea. We were looking at a couple strip malls, basically just looking at the ads of commercial space that was open and trying to find a, a unique place that looked like it would we could put some charm into it and then also be able to manufacture there. Okay. And then it came down to actually my wife's hairstylist was in this new building, had just moved locations, and it's where we ended up being in the ah. Equitable Reserve building in downtown Nina. And he he knew I was looking for a location and he said he said it's going to take a lot of imagination and and even more money, but I think you could do something really cool here. And one tour, and it was kind of like, yeah, this is it. This is it. Yeah. How cool. Yeah. And then a meeting later with the business consultant, and to see his enthusiasm for it, it was kind of like, okay, let's figure this out. Mm-hmm. So what I love about both your tap rooms is you have all of this like original artwork and murals on the walls. How did you come up with that sort of style? Is that from you, or did you know you have someone come in and say, okay, you should try this? Where'd that come from? I think when you go around and visit other tap rooms or breweries, you kind of learn to appreciate that every place is different and that's what makes it interesting. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the brewery tap rooms aren't like a sports bar or where you have a lot of entertainment going on. They just, it's the beer and the atmosphere, the other people that is what's entertaining about it. And my wife and I, you know, really found the fun in that and seeing the unique characters of each, each place as we would travel around. And so when we started the first one, it was more about, you know, what can we do that's interesting, a little bit different with a limited budget. Sure. And we were lucky with that one. It's a, this old, you know, hundred plus year old fortress of a historic building. So we didn't need to create too much right. interest mm-hmm. in it. It was already there. And that was actually a matter of just uncovering what's cool about it. Oh. So we have this old, like a bank vault that, you know, we have tables set up in that you can go sit in and there's really beautiful brick walls underneath mm-hmm. the plaster that we had to dig down to. And we found our ways under the dilapidated carpet to find the the original maple flooring. And oh, cool. The, there's crown molding woodwork in the ceiling that was covered up by foam drop ceiling. So 
it was uncovering what was interesting about it rather than having to create it. And with our new location in Wauwatosa, it's a little bit different story, but it was a garden center and a pet supply store Okay, and a 68-year-old business. And again, kind of an interesting building, existing structure. And we tried to make some use out of that mm-hmm. and then kind of take it to the next level and do some interesting things like, like you say, with the murals and with, with the decor. And so I guess that's kind of how we got there. Yeah. And, and certainly Kristen, my wife is a big part of that. I like her taste a lot and she had a lot of the good ideas. Well, she definitely has good taste because I remember the first time I visited the Wauwatosa building, it was like around every corner there was something else. And I just wanted to take a picture of it all because I was like, this is so cool. So you've definitely done a great job of making each location unique and sort of this destination and experience to go check out. I appreciate it. You bet. So. One question I have for you is, you know, beer and craft beer, that's a huge industry. How did you approach making Lion's Tail unique? Like, you know, you've got to stand out among all these other competitors. How do you approach that? So when we first opened, I think my experience as a home brewer brought some some more kind of fun, wacky flavor combinations. And that was how we were a little different to start out. Okay. And the other thing is in Appleton area, all of the breweries at the time were restaurants. And from traveling around and seeing other tap rooms around the Midwest, my wife and I had really liked this concept of just a place where you go and try beers. It's not a restaurant. You know, maybe they have a couple snacks, but it's sure. it's more about sampling the beers and, and, and the atmosphere. And so that made us a little bit unique in our area as well to start out. And then since then, I think we were, we opened up, there was maybe six or 7,000 breweries in the United States. You know, now there's 9,500. So those 3,000 or more breweries that have started in the last nine years since we opened, you see a lot of them using the same ideas, decor, and a lot of the ideas are borrowed. And that always happens to some degree. But so we've challenged ourselves to constantly be changing things, making something new and interesting so that when you come in one time and have an experience, you know, the next time you might notice something new that we did, or maybe something new is on the wall. Maybe it's a different mm-hmm. couple of beers that we made. And so last year we did a uh, 100 different beers. And so now that's kind of our new, the new thing that's setting us apart. 100 different beers. Yeah. Which if you do the math is about two new beers every week. Oh my gosh. Average. So it's a lot of work to keep up with that, but we're easily the leader in the state for, for number of beers that come out. And I think that's something that our customers look to us for. Mm-hmm. We're also usually the first brewery in the state to make kind of a, a style that might be trending in a certain one of the, you know, the beer meccas around the, the country or on the coasts or something like that. We're usually the first first one to try it. And hopefully it's a pretty good example. So mm-hmm. our customers can count on, oh, I want to try out what a fruit slushy beer is like. I'm going to go to Lion's Tail because I know they'll hopefully make a pretty good one. Yeah. Um, and, and so, and, you know, now the hazy New England mm-hmm. IPA thing is, is pretty big and everybody makes one or three of them. But in 2016, we were the first Wisconsin brewery to take it on. And that was fun to introduce a new style to our customers. Yeah. Yeah. How do you not run out of creativity? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, with a hundred, that's a lot of beers. And so 
I think, you know, we, we have a kind of a, a meeting with all of our department leaders every week and it's a lot of brainstorming. Okay. Um, no idea is bad. So I, I try and encourage everyone to, to come up with, you know, even if you think it's a dumb idea, throw it out there. And mm-hmm. we've, we've made a lot of these dumb ideas, you know? Yeah. And so hopefully the collaborative culture tapping into, you know, that many people's brains and, and their different tastes has been extremely helpful because I'm one demographic mm-hmm. and most of my staff is younger. So I'm, you know, I'm usually the punchline on the old guy, you know, <laughs> the get off my lawn old guy. And so it's great to have all of these different perspectives. I bet. Does a lot of your staff then explore like other tap rooms and they're pretty well versed in like tasting different kinds of beers. And so they can bring all of that creativity back and really find something unique for you guys. For sure. And that's one part of our culture that I've tried to use when I'm looking for good people to bring on as we've grown is, do they love beer? Are they passionate about it? If this is just a job, probably not going to be a great fit. I mean, there's not a huge amount of money in the brewing industry. So Mm -hmm. you have to really enjoy what you do and have some passion for it. And the people that we have at Lion's Tale are about that. And so it's a lot easier to draw on people's creativity when they travel around and see different things that they like. Sure. So how do you, so just, I guess I'm thinking through the switch of home brewer, business owner, and now manager and building this culture within your company. What has that switch been like for you? Yeah, it's tough, you know, and when you start, you know, you're brewing beer and that's what it's about. And all of a sudden you need to be a a manager and Mm -hmm. I will be the first to say that I'm not a great manager, but I'm trying to you know, I recognize that I try and learn from other great leaders that are out there and Mm -hmm. there's so much available books and podcasts like yours. And I, I'm just hungry for hearing how other people do it and trying to learn different lessons or techniques that people have and, and then just try and be open-minded and incorporate those things. But that's definitely a challenge is probably that most small business owners don't realize right away. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I would think, you know, just as as much as you want to scale and grow, you can't do it all yourself. So you do have to find those good people and you do have to start creating culture. But is that something you ever thought about doing when you were like, oh, maybe I'll open a business? Yeah, no way. (laughs) I mean, it was kind of like, oh, you know, my job is is really, you know, it went from being an, an engineer and helping customers solve problems to being a manager with that job. And it was for a, you know, a Fortune 500 company that mm-hmm. had shareholders that they had to keep happy. And that's what the job was about. And I, it was difficult for me to do because what I loved about it was I wasn't doing anymore at all. And so certainly that's, it's different now because I'm instead of selling paper specialty chemicals, it's, yeah. it's making and selling beer that I love. And mm-hmm. so it's a lot easier to take on that transition. Absolutely. Well, and when you're working with, people who love to do the same thing. Right. I think that makes it a lot easier. For sure. Yes. So let's talk about your expansion into Wauwatosa. What made you decide this is the community I want to come to? We want to expand. Was that like two hour drive, hour and a half drive for you? Yeah, about an hour and a half. Okay. Hour and a half away from where we're based. So Nina, where we are is it's part of the greater Appleton area Mm -hmm. and nice size, nice, you know, medium size community. 
it was fairly apparent that there was kind of a ceiling where we could grow to. And over the first six, seven years, we found a lot of new customers that didn't used to drink craft beer. Maybe they were a Miller Lite drinker or, oh, I don't drink that stuff. And from all the different creative stuff we tried, there was maybe a friend would bring them in and, oh, actually, that's not bad. And next thing, they're a member and they're coming every week when we release the new stuff. And so we did, you know, we've done quite a bit of that to find new customers that weren't there, but it's a smaller community. Mm -hmm. And so... Right about 2019 is when we started thinking about, okay, where can we take this next? And so Milwaukee, you know, certainly great beer history and Mm -hmm. all kinds of really good craft, you know, smaller craft breweries. And so we started looking and we're looking initially downtown Milwaukee and got pretty far with a certain location. And when that didn't work out, we, we started touring open spots with a realtor who kind of specializes in working with breweries. And she took us to to the Garden and Pet Store on uh, North Avenue in Wauwatosa. And it was, I don't think, four or five steps on the property before I kind of knew this is it. Really? Yeah. What yeah. What gave you that sense? It was still open as a, a garden pet center when we got there. And it was, I mean, it was springtime. There's these flowering crab trees outside. They're just amazingly beautiful and and so we we started touring the kind of the greenhouse which was the front portion it's now our beer garden and it just had so many unique cool things about the property that you thought oh this could be a neat place for customers to sit and i think having been open for seven years and nina we you know you know enough to you know here's the type of space i need here's a you know here'd be a good customer flow and have the bar here and do this here and so forth and some event space here and i could put my brewery here and yeah like i said it did not take long and actually the family who'd been in, uh, in business for 68 years there as a garden and pet store, mm-hmm. they always had thought, wouldn't this make a great brewery tap oh, room? Yeah. And, and the guy couldn't help <laughs> but mention that when we were taking the tour with the realtor. So, and it was kind of like, yeah, you, you know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Do they ever come back and, and check it out? Yeah, they did. The Gerlach family. And we had a kind of a soft opening last October, uh, maybe the week before we opened up to the public and a good, good portion of the family came in and there was some tears of joy. And I think they were uh, happy with what we did, you know, Yeah, which is, you know, feels good. I mean, Mm -hmm. ultimately it doesn't matter because, you know, we'd had to turn it into what we thought would be great for our customers, but, but I think they did like it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is such a cool story. Yeah. And, and the alternative I think for them was, you know, for it to be bulldozed and turned into a Mm. six story multi-purpose type of building, you know, with, with apartments and commercial on the first floor. So I think they were happy to see the, you know, the shape of the building still there. And a lot of our customers who come in will say, oh, I, I used to buy this dog food here. And now they're hosting a party with their neighborhood oh, friends cool. and, in that same room. And yeah. uh, so that's really neat. Yeah, yeah, that's really just sort of expanding on that building's history and where it's been in the community. And again, yeah. kind of feeling like you guys have been here, right? You're new, but you've been here. You're connected. Yeah. That's really special. So what's next for Lion's Tale? So we're about to turn one year old in October. I'm sure we'll be throwing some sort of a little party in Wauwatosa for that. We're turning nine in Nina. So we like to celebrate, you know, the birthdays. It's just basically a reason to 
throw a party and yeah, put out some not? really fun beers that we, you know, wanted to try. And so that's that's what we'll be working on here in the next month or so. We're actually just voted the best new brewery and taproom in uh, the Milwaukee Magazine. Oh, so, congratulations. Yes, thank you. We just found that out. So we'll be hopefully putting the word out about that and thanking our customers for helping vote us as that. So, and, you know, coming up with new ideas and giving our customers more reasons to come in and try the new beer. Yeah, definitely. Well, and that was one thing we talked a little bit about it, but your membership concept, did that come out of having you know, the hundred beers and now you can be a member. And I guess you should probably explain what the membership is, right? You get certain access to the beers, right? Yep. Yeah. We have a limited number of members at, at each location. And when we were first coming out with some of these crazy beers, we had lines forming outside when, when they would go on sale. Oh, wow. And so probably the biggest example of that is when we started doing these fruit slushy beers and it's basically like a fruited sour beer, but with upwards of three pounds per gallon of fruit, oh, wow. real fruit in them. And we make some fun flavors. You know, we're about to do our Ecto Cooler, which is kind of a green, orangey flavored sour, but we did a bomb pop in the summer that's really popular. So we do all these fun, fun flavors. And so we had lines going around the block in our place at Nina and it was kind of like, how can we make this fair to customers? And sure. so we, we came up with this uh, membership program. And so limited number of members and you pay a, a small subscription per year. And we have a members only party that you're invited to with some, some fun beers that we just make for the day, but you can get each beer when it releases and you're guaranteed at least, you know, a certain amount of that beer if, if you want to buy it. Oh, um, very cool. And then we have some fun at these member parties. And of course you get other discounts and, and sure. things with that. Sure. But to your point before that has kind of developed a little sense of a community among, among some of our more avid fans. Oh, I'll bet. Yeah. I'll bet. I know my husband and his friends have joined like the member society for three sheeps and it's a similar type idea. And you have once a year member party and you do, you start to connect with the same people year over year. So I can imagine that the same thing happens for your customers. Yeah. And now we'll probably have to be members of that too. So <laughs> I'll have to go home and tell them. <laughs> yeah. And I think we have a couple openings at each location, actually. Okay. Um, if not, there's a small wait list. But back to your point about how do you come up with ideas? A lot of the ideas too come from customers. Really? And, and so the members are usually have our ear too, because they're the ones that, you know, are, are a big invested part of, of what we do. How do you collect that feedback? Do you have like a specific way to do that? Or is it just simply being in your tap rooms, yeah, connecting? I wish I could say we did, but and sometimes <laughs> we'll have interactive posts on social media, but a lot of time it's just having conversations. And I think a big part of the experience at both Lions Tail tap rooms is talking to our bartenders, our servers, and we've got a lot of really good folks who also really love beer and like to talk with beer about people mm -hmm. if you want to. Mm -hmm. It's never about beer nerd talk that's meant to intimidate people. It's a very welcoming experience. And so that's really where we get a lot of, a lot of great feedback and ideas. Well, and I think that you have to be pretty intentional about having that sort of a culture too, right? If you weren't so open to ideas from your own people, they probably wouldn't be as open to ideas from customers. And just allowing that space and conversation to happen seems like that really is what makes your business so special too. I hope so. And I've tried to always take the approach that, you know, I, there's no possible way I can know what's best all the time. And so we always feature 
beers from guest beers from other breweries in the area. And oh. so sometimes it helps us round out the lineup. Maybe we don't have a certain type of beer and there's a great one being made down the street. And so we, we incorporate that. And again, I don't always have the right answers, you know, so it's great to draw on all those things. Definitely. Yeah. All right, Alex, here's where we're going to get a little inspirational for our listeners. So as you know, Horicon Bank is the natural choice for banking, and that's not just a tagline. It is a commitment to being environmentally friendly, supporting environmental causes. So in that spirit, I'm going to give you an interesting animal fact, and I'd like you to turn it into inspirational advice for listeners. Okay. Okay. And this one I picked just for you. A lion's roar can be heard up to five miles away. That's a long ways. (laughs) Absolutely. So that's the jump off point for me? That's the jump off point for you. Oh, gosh. And that's it's interesting because we're definitely not the roaring lion. You know, we're a quieter company, I would say, for, mm-hmm. for sure. Hmm. I'm almost going to take the opposite of that. And, oh, all right. And I don't think we're the roaring lion. I think we've definitely earned customers' loyalty and interest over the years with what we do, not with what we roar. Mm-hmm. And in today's easy access to information there's so much of it inundating people from all directions and so it's hard to compete and be that loud roaring lion Mm -hmm. people won't hear you from five miles away so you have to win people's interest with perhaps word of mouth perhaps sampling at a beer tasting event or at a at one of our retail partners win them over, get them to bring in their friends if, you know, when they liked Mm -hmm. what they did or what they had and just kind of grow organically through that channel slow and steady through the years. So I'm not sure if that's too helpful because it's, it's a hard way to do it. It Um, but that's probably what I'd, what I'd turn that into. (laughs) I like that because you're right. If you're really thinking about the roars, there's so many roars coming at us all the time and the loudest ones, sure, they drown out the rest, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's the one you want to hear. It might just be because they have a big marketing budget exactly. or are owned by a big parent company or something. And so we've always tried to be really cognizant that, you know, you don't have many chances to make an impression. So when people come in, we do everything we can to make sure they have a great experience. And hopefully they're telling their friends, oh, you got to try this Lion's Tail mm-hmm. place. You know, that's always our goal. Yeah. Well, and it's a, like you said, it's the harder way. It's maybe a little bit slower, but it's building this foundation that allows you to just keep growing. Yeah. And you had said before we had started recording that as you grow, it's like, oh, we hit this ceiling. So now what's next? And you kind of let those, that creativity go to of what can we do now? But I think you have to build that foundation really steady before you can start to hit those ceilings over and over. Absolutely. So. Before we end the show, Alex, I'm going to ask you one more question. If you could give our listeners any actionable advice, something you'd want them to walk away with from this podcast, what would that be? I would say to always remind yourself, no matter how long you're in a business, and we're we're still relatively young, we're only nine years old, to remind yourself that you don't know the best way to do everything and to always, always look to learn from other people. And I've always tried to do that. Sometimes when you get in the thick of it, it's, it's hard to do, you know, you get caught up with maybe meeting a certain order or a certain deadline, or when you're short on people jumping in and brewing beer or, you know, delivering beer yourself or whatever it is. So you get caught up with all those things, but 
you have to find ways to keep your passion alive, but also to do that through learning from other people, maybe in a completely different industry. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of great resources out there and, and trying to find those things. I think that's been really central to your story. You've talked about being learning how to be a manager and finding these different resources, learning about, you know, your community through your customers, through your employees. But what I also love is you mentioned different people you just had contact with, like your wife's hairstylist helped you find a location. You know, it's being connected to these people and being willing to have them say to you, you know, you might want to think about this. And then you actually consider it, right? There's so much learning, so much opportunity around you. And I think your story just shows this collaboration and the way you've connected with others and just built this business over time. And if anyone who's listening hasn't gone to Lionsdale, I think they need to. Absolutely. Give us a try. <laughs> yes. You won't be disappointed. A hundred beers. And when you make that many <laughs> different beers, there's always something for everybody. So hopefully that's what uh, you find out. And when you come in, a lot of people just like to order a sample flight where they get to taste a lot of different beers. Oh, sure. and that's a fun way to do it. Yeah. And then come back and get a few more samples. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Alex, I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. To stay in the loop on all things banking on business related, visit horaconbank.com slash banking on business and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.